This is Archive Atlanta, episode 248, Just Us. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So Atlanta is home to 242 different neighborhoods. They each have their own names, they each have their own history, but this week we are talking about the smallest, just us. Consisting of two streets sandwiched between the neighborhoods of Mosley Park, Ashu Heights, Hunter Hills, and Washington Park, Just Us has a short but fascinating origin story that includes some of the most prestigious Black Atlantans, a lot of African Methodist Episcopal history, um, HBCU history, women's history, and it ends with a paranormal story. So something in here for everyone. Before we start with the history, let's orient ourselves. So Just Us consists of two streets, Morris Brown Drive and Fountain Drive. You turn onto Morris Brown from Martin Luther King Jr. Drive, which was formerly Hunter Street, and then Fountain Drive branches off of Morris Brown and it forms kind of a loop. The neighborhood backs up to the rear of Booker T. Washington High School and the Atlanta Beltline. To add further context, African-American migration to the west side of Atlanta is something I've talked about in many episodes, but while it begins in the 1920s, it really takes off in the 1940s. This is due to the introduction of the federal housing assistant loans in 1935 and the post-World War II housing shortage created by GIs that are returning from war. I tried really hard to confirm the origin of the neighborhood's development, and by that I mean like... Was it a master plan? Was it one builder? Did somebody, you know, buy all the land and then subdivide it? So many questions that would require probably a visit to the Robert Woodruff Library um, or Morris Brown's archives or the Atlanta History Center, things that I just couldn't do in person. Um, But there's a couple things I feel really confident about. And one of those things is the connection to Morris Brown College was very purposeful. So the neighborhood also was not named just us. I think until much later, maybe even when we get the NPU system, didn't actually confirm that either. Um, Initially, it was just called by its street. So a lot of times you would see uh, Morris Brown Fountain Drive neighborhood or something, but again, a very informal way. Bishop William Alfred Fountain Sr. served as president of Morris Brown College from 1911 to 1920, and then his son and his namesake, W.A. Fountain Jr., served the same role from 1928 to 1950. The Fountains helped develop music, classical arts, English, and science programs, and they transitioned the school into a four-year college. They were also instrumental in negotiating the move of Morris Brown from uh, the Old Fourth Ward, or the Fourth Ward, into the Atlanta University Center. Senior was a bishop in the African Methodist Episcopal Church, the first independent Protestant denomination to be founded by Black people, and his son held numerous leadership positions in AME-related organizations. So these two things explain the origin of just us two streets, Morris Brown Drive and Fountain Drive. Most of the houses on Fountain Drive were built in the early 1940s, but it's hard to be exact as the city directories, aka the phone books, did not list residents on either street until 1947. So I did find a reference to Fountain Drive being paved in 1948. I don't know if it was the entire section, a part of it. Um, it's wild to think about, you know, residents building houses and living in unpaved streets for several years at least. 
I did go through and list every house and resident in the 1947 directory because I'm nuts. Um, There were 16 houses on Fountain and only two on Morris Brown Drive. By 1948, six more houses were listed as under construction on Morris Brown and Fountain had added 11 more neighbors with two houses under construction. And as much as I want to go through every single house and tell you about every single owner, I will do my best to give you the last names and point out a few specific people. In 1947, Fountain Drive neighbors included John Elder, who was a teacher at Booker T. Washington High School, um, Emil or Emil and Annie Scott. Uh, he was the brother of Atlanta Daily World's W.A. Scott. G. Lewis and Erdie Chandler. Uh, G.L. was a Morehouse professor. Um, then there was the Andrews, the Blacks, the Ballards, the Bowmans, uh, the Dickersons, the Dixons, the Baileys, the Kennedys, the Kings, the Hectors, and the Thompsons. There were only two families on Morris Brown Drive, and they were the Nelsons and the Allens. In 1948, Dr. James P. Brawley lived at 1190 Fountain Drive. In 1925, Brawley had become the head of Department of Education and Religious Education at Clark and then Dean of the College of Arts and Sciences in 1926. By 1941, he served as president of Clark College. December of 1949, the 6th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Church dedicated their official Episcopal residence at 1212 Fountain Drive. Bishop W.A. Fountain Sr. delivered this address. Um, He was assisted by Bishop J.W.E. Bowen, uh, and it was first home to the Wrights. So Richard Robert Wright Jr. was an ordained AME minister, founder of a loan association in Atlanta. He was editor of the Christian Recorder, among many, many other things. Uh, In 1910, he had married Charlotte Krogman. She was from a prestigious family in Atlanta. And so they only lived, though, in this house for two years. In 1951, Bishop Sherman L. Green and his family moved into what they were calling the Episcopalian Mansion, which I loved. Um, Even more fascinating is the AME Church actually owned this property until 1999. The Reverend John Wesley Edward Bowen Jr. was another bishop in the African Methodist Church who served as the ninth bishop from 1948 to 1960. He and his wife, Margaret, lived at 1197 Fountain Drive, and Margaret Davis Bowen was badass. And so we're going to talk about her because she is the founder and the first president of the Just Us Neighbors. She was born in New Orleans and led the Gilbert Academy, which was a private black college there in the city during the 1930s. She served as Alpha Kappa Alpha's president from 1936 to 1939, and she moved to Atlanta with her family in 1948. Settling into her home on Fountain Drive, she, along with her neighbors, established the Just Us Neighbors, or the Juns, as it was affectionately called. Formed in 1951, its first members were Mrs. Bowen, uh, Vivian Reed Beavers was the secretary, and then I do have Erdie Wade Chandler, and there was many other members. I do not have a list of all the official, you know, first members of the club. I think at that point there are less than 40 families, and I would gather that almost probably every woman from each household was part of it. In the first two decades of existence, the club put on almost any and every neighborhood event you could think of. They installed new mailboxes, they hosted interior decorator lectures, they organized a motorcade to look at the new Sherwood Forest neighborhood that I talked about in episode 183. They hosted a hobby fair in the Bowen's backyard, a travel jamboree in the streets, they held a bicycle contest where they did a parade, then a safety talk, then a warden safety demonstration um, and test, and then gave refreshments and ribbons. 
By 1955, they formed the Just Us Neighbors Kids, which they called the Junks. Um, and it was basically like the kids' auxiliary. It was adorable. Uh, the group held campouts in different backyards every week where they cooked their own meals and they slept in tents. The Juns were known for their famous Christmas decorations, and they won several ribbons from the Atlanta Housewives League. Every Mother's Day, they would place a basket of flowers on the front lawn of each mom in the neighborhood. In the 1970s, Just Us Neighbors Community Club um, also had admitted some men, and they had subcommittees for courtesy, beautification, library, cultural and arts, public relations, and finance. And there was a great profile in the Atlanta Voice that said, quote, the Jun's concept of neighbor embraces the larger definition of being a fellow human being and not necessarily just the ones who live in close proximity, end quote. At this time, this is a group of six or so families that celebrated everything from joyous to tragic, weddings, births, graduations, or illnesses and death. In 1971, the Jun celebrated their 30th anniversary with Mrs. Chandler, still a member. In 1972, they orchestrated the neighborhood's participation in the Dogwood Lighted Trail, which was part of that year's Atlanta Dogwood Festival, which if you want information on that, I did it in episode 136. In 1976, the Juns unveiled two plaques in the neighborhood in these very tiny, they call parks, they're labeled parks actually now in a map. Um, it's really kind of like the intersection of two streets has like a little curb with some grass in it. Um, but one of these was to honor Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the other Margaret Davis Bowen. The one-hour outdoor program featured performances by the Washington High School Chorus as well as the AKA Choruses um, and speeches by then-Congressman Andrew Young and Sujet, I think, Crank. She was a daughter of Bowen's. Now, it ends up that Coretta Scott King shows up along with MLK Sr. and Dexter King, and there's photos of all of this. I want to mention a few other well-known houses and some neighbors before we get to the end of the episode. So the house that's at 1158 Fountain Drive is incredible, streamlined, modern-ish style home built by Arthur Victor Jett. Jet graduated from Morehouse. He studied architecture at Chicago Technical College, and then he went on to teach at the Utica Institute in Mississippi, I think, um, and then came to Atlanta, where he taught at Carver Vocational High School. He had moved here in 1939. Um, he worked for a construction company, and he was the foreman on building Henry Grady Homes, the Bell Bomber plant, and several Navy hospitals across the South. In 1949, he formed Triangular Drafting Company with two other men, and his first design build was his own new home on Fountain Drive, which was completed in 1950. Now, the story of Black Architects is it's got to be its own episode one day because they were not legally allowed to be licensed architects. So you see a lot of these designs in Black Atlanta neighborhoods being done not under, again, a licensed architect, but a builder very much done by someone trained as an architect. The house at 1144 Fountain Drive was home to the Tig family, so parents Jimmy and Louise were musicians. Jimmy Tig actually had a short career, um, but their four-year-old son Eric played drums with them at clubs on Auburn Avenue, and fun story I found, they had to get permission, I think it was maybe the police board, to allow their four-year-old to perform at a club, basically be at an adult club, you know, at a late hour. And they had never run into this before. So they were just like, um, yeah, I guess it's fine. Um, by 1972, little Eric Tigg was actually on the Mike Douglas show playing with Sammy Davis Jr. There's another home at Fountain Drive that I could not 
remember the address and the map wasn't working well, but I'll put it in the show notes. It is a five-bedroom ranch designed by James P. Brawley to be used as the first official home of Clark's College presidents and their families. So it's basically the president's house. Now, the first family to occupy the house was in the early 1970s, and it was President Dr. Vivian Henderson, his wife, and their four children, who were 21, 20, 19, and 11. And an AJC article from 1975 details exactly what every single room looked like from wall-to-wall mustard carpet to the Jewel Simon art on the walls. Um, It was incredible. And it was also the site of so many things. They had black tie affairs, the Clark College National Alumni Association committee meetings, and they hosted Dizzy Gillespie in 1981. Gillespie had been named a quote-unquote honorary citizen of Atlanta by Mayor um, Maynard Jackson, and he was invited by Clark President Elias Blake to play at the home. And last but certainly not least, the Blood House, which is at 1114 Fountain Drive. So if you haven't heard of the Blood House, you can Google it and find several paranormal sites that have written about it extensively. I'm going to give you a brief summary. One day in 1987, 77-year-old Minnie Wilson stepped out of her bathtub and into a pool of blood. She frantically called for her husband, William, thinking he was hurt, and they soon realized that neither of them were bleeding. So police are called, and when one is called, the newspaper account says that there were spots of blood found all over the house. So the kitchen, the halls, the basement, the living room, it was everywhere. The police tested the blood. They confirmed that it was from neither of the residents, but it was human. Months later, after the press cycle kind of died out and the police really had absolutely no leads or explanations, they just sort of dropped the case, and it still remains unsolved today. So there you have it. The story of Atlanta's smallest neighborhood. I hated to end on a weird paranormal note, um, but it is a house that a lot of people talk about. In general, I loved researching this because I'm a huge Mad Men fan and I have an interesting fascination with the 50s. Not that I ever want to go back to that, especially as a woman, but just that post-World War II boom and the way that homeownership and community and neighborhoods were portrayed. And so I imagine just us as like, madmen with black actors it's the every story that talks about it has that like utopia of the suburbs and so it's really fascinating to me that almost every single house is still original and still standing thank you everyone for listening remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to the podcast you can also visit the patreon link in the show notes if you want to support my work Um, i hope everyone has a great weekend and i'll talk to you next week